y'all, and welcome to Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Road. We're excited to bring you episode four of season four of Leadership with LaToya, and we can't wait to talk to you about our two-part series on the myths of school leadership. But our podcast wouldn't be what it is without my co-host and dear friend, Mike Wasons. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Latoya, are you ready to bust some myths today? I can't wait. It reminds me of that show that I think used to be on A&E or maybe Discovery Channel, Mythbusters. It was pretty cool. Um, They did lots of experiments. Do you remember that show? I do. That was one of my favorites, and I still uh, follow one of the guys on Twitter. I can't remember his name, but yep, good time. So, Mike, one of the things I think this um, that led to us having this conversation and thinking about myths as they relate to school leadership Uh, just happens from all the things people are so convicted by, married to, and things that I think in our um, early days of aspiring to become school principals and school leaders, we kind of conceptualize what we think leadership should be versus what it really is, you know? And so with that comes a lot of mythology. So in our conversation as we were talking about what people subscribe to in our field, um, educators subscribe to, particularly leaders, we got to thinking about what what are those myths out there that people are beholden to that really aren't true. That's why they're called myths. And the first one that I've heard over and over again, and you've got to help me expand on this, is fake it until you make it. Yes, I think we've all heard that. And, you know, while it might sound, um, I don't know, catchy or... Uh, it runs, I guess. There's really no substance to it at all because I know when we work together, um, and even you know when we weren't in the same building, but teachers can see right through you if you are trying to be a leader, but you don't have any, uh, you know, background knowledge. If you don't have any realness, you know, so to speak, to you, if you are just trying to make things up as you go, that is certainly not going to work in education. I doubt in any field, but. The people you are trying to lead are going to see right through you. Yeah, and Mike, that really stands out to me when it comes to instructional leadership and giving high-quality feedback, which is what we've been talking about with the Leadership with LaToya Walkthrough Challenge. You know, how can you give high-quality feedback if you don't have the scholarship and the knowledge and the information to be able to do that? And faking it, how do you fake that when you're trying to evaluate or give a teacher pointers on how they can improve their instructional practice? How do you fake that? You can. You really can. And, you know, I want to talk about our, the, again, I brought up when we were co-principals. Uh, we, we went into a school that had uh, very high needs. There was tremendous turnover in staff and principals. And those teachers, they could sense right away if you knew what you were talking about or not. And I think if we went in there with Toya trying to fake our way through giving feedback, they would have seen right through it because they had been through through a lot. So that they're going to pick up on that. And, and we talk about this all the time. You know, you have to build your instructional leadership skills. Uh, it's not something you're born with. It's something you can learn. And, you know, you have to be able to, um, have to be willing to put the time in to grow yourself as an instructional leader to be able to give that specific feedback that teachers need to grow. Absolutely. And Mike, you know, just listening to you talk about teachers and how quickly they can see through uh, a lack of authenticity brings me to our second myth. You know, in our conversation, this is a myth you pose, and I think it is an excellent one, and it is myth two. Teachers will follow your lead because of your title. Tell us about that. I think if uh, you are a leader that leads through, like, fear or positional power, 
it may work in the short term. Um, I don't even know if that's the case, but it may work in the short term. But if you are looking to build long-term success in your school, your organization, uh, trying to lead through fear or intimidation is not going to get you anywhere near your goals. Because as a leader, Latoya, wouldn't you agree that, that our job is to uh, build a culture and promote a culture where teachers feel empowered to um, to lead them, you know, to be leaders in their classrooms and to uh, be true thinkers and problem solvers. And if you lead through fear and you must do this because I say so, you are not developing that at all at all your teachers. I think any time that you have to respond that way, that's a clear indication that there's a lack of trust between you and the people you're serving. If you have to say back to someone, I'm asking you to do that because I am the leader and you must do what I ask because I am the leader and you are a subordinate in so many words, then I think that's an indication that there's a broken relationship there. You're not right in relationship and that there is a big lack of trust. And I think you're absolutely right that your job is to empower and also to equip people to give them the things they need so that they can then be uh, impactful and effective and empowered to serve as leaders in their classrooms and get the jobs done. You know, Mike, I've worked with people who said, you know, it's easy to become a leader because primarily you don't really have to do the work. All you have to do to be a leader is delegate. And that, folks, is myth three. Tell us about that, Mike. Well, let's just go ahead and bust that one right now, because while delegation is part of leadership, for sure, because you are not going to be able to do anything, it is certainly not something that you can use as your primary go-to strategy. And I think this really goes back to number one, thinking it until you make it. Teachers want to be able to see, or not even just teachers, anyone you're leading, they want to be able to see that you are walking the walk and not just talking the talk. So being able to delegate when needed, um, and there's certainly things that you will delegate because, again, you can't do it all. But you have to be able to show that you are competent in all areas and maybe an expert in just a few areas. If all you're doing is delegating, again, your followers or the people you are trying to lead, they're going to see right through that. Absolutely. I mean, people are looking to you as the leader for guidance, for direction. You know, one of the key components to being an effective leader is being able to uh, communicate a compelling vision and being able to uh, share that vision and develop that mutually with folks and, and compel and inspire others to, to reach for that. And so it's not simply about delegating, certainly a part of it, as you said, but it is about being able to set a vision um, and, and keep people on track for that vision and, and having the ability to pull the team together and guide and direct the work in a way that leads to sustained success. You know, Mike, I've been saying this myth this week in some of the work that I've been doing. Um, you know, being bossy doesn't make you a true leader. Uh, I think so often folks have confused being in charge with being uh, a leader. And the real deal is that we're at the mercy of the people we serve. I can remember being a principal and talking with my mom about things that I really wanted uh, us to improve as a school, uh, improve upon as a school. And I remember her saying to me, well, you better figure out how to get everybody to work together because you can't teach 500 students. And that spoke very loud to me. I think sometimes we forget that, uh, or leaders have a tendency to, to forget that at the end of the day, 
You're at the mercy of those folks you serve. They have a decision to make about whether or not they're going to allow you to influence their thinking, their actions, their work ethic or not. And so it's important to remember that you're not in charge necessarily. You are, while you are responsible, you are at the mercy of the folks that you serve. That servant leadership is about that. It's about serving, not being in charge. Any thoughts on that one, Mike? Well, first I have to say, there is another example of your mom dropping just absolute uh, nuggets of wisdom. And if you uh, if you know Latoya, you might know her mom. She is one of the smartest people that I know. And that just sounds exactly like something she would say, Latoya. I can kind of picture her telling her telling you that back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh... But, 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 yeah, but, you know, just like in a classroom, think about when you were a teacher, if you're still a teacher, really... To be honest, you are at the mercy of your students to do what you want them to do to perform academically, but really uh, your job is to convince them to do so. We talk about all the time in education about student apathy. Um, So many of our students have great potential to do really well in their classes, but for whatever reason, they're not at the time. It's usually not because of a lack of skill. So the same thing when you're working with teachers, others who are leading in your building, you have to be able to convince them to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to buy into this vision and I'm going to do uh, what's best for the organization. And one of the things, too, is why I want to add from all these myths is being able to provide that um, support for teachers. You can't just say, in my opinion, you can't just say, okay, teachers, we're going to be the best DLTs ever in the history of the world, but not have any knowledge of DLTs or not be willing to learn about DLTs to help support teachers in the implementation. So it's not just about saying, hey, here's the grand vision, but can you actually help your teachers help the school reach that vision? I think you're right. I heard from someone once, one time, and I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, great leaders roll up their sleeves, turn up their sleeves, not their noses. And I could not agree more. It is really about working side by side with the folks who you are um, serving and getting the work done together. It's about that collective leadership aspect, collective efficacy, because we know that when we work together, the results are always strong. Stronger. And Mike, the last myth is one you brought up, and I, you, I've heard you talk about this before, and I think a lot of new leaders and, and maybe some veterans, I don't know, I think this is something many, many leaders struggle with. And the myth is that as a leader, if you show vulnerability or kindness, you will be seen as weak, ineffective, and your subordinates will likely take advantage of you. Tell us about that myth, Mike. Yes, I do. I really do like talking about that one. And, and to be honest, the reason why I like talking about it is because that's something I really, really struggled with when I first became principal. And it took me a, a number of years to uh, to kind of grow out of that. And actually working with you, Latoya, I got to see uh, great examples of how to, um, how to really work on that. So that's, you know, when I first became principal, I wanted everyone to think, oh, my goodness, he is a hard worker. He is nonstop. You know, everything, he is just, you know, fully 100% dedicated to the school. I was sending out emails at all hours of the night. I was probably the first or second one there and one of the last ones to leave. And what part of it was is I wanted people to think I knew everything. And how, I mean, looking back on that, that is so ridiculous that I felt that way, but I certainly did. I never wanted to show one ounce of 
um, being vulnerable. Uh, the kindness part, I didn't really struggle struggle with that because I, you know, I kind of think I'm pretty much always a kind person, so I didn't have troubles with that. But I really had trouble with being open to the point of I could admit to people that I didn't know everything. And what a way to what a way to burn yourself out as a principal to try to think you know everything and have to do everything. Yeah, not only as a principal, but as a leader. I mean, it's almost like having an unrealistic expectation of perfection, which we know none of us are perfect. We're all flawed. We're going to mess up from time to time. We make mistakes. And so I think one of the most important things is just being able to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me find that out. I'm going to work on that. Um, You know, I need to apologize. I'm really sorry. Uh, I think that goes a long way with people when you're able to acknowledge your imperfection. And it makes you human. It makes you human. And people are able to relate to that. And Mike, I have to say this, not just because we're on the air, but because it's true. You are one of the kindest people I've ever known. And that is why we are beef fries, best friends. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're always kind and you're a great example of how kindness is always the right thing to choose. Um, But I think you're right. I think, you know, it makes me think about when we think about the vulnerability thing, it, it makes me think about how often brand new teachers are told don't smile until Christmas. Don't have fun with your kids. You need to be super strict and super serious or people want take you seriously. I think as leaders, sometimes we have this idea, this, um, this imaginative imagination or imaginative narrative in our head of, of how we want to be perceived or how we believe we should be perceived when really we just happen to be the leader, but we're human like everybody else. Um, definitely, we're, we're responsible. We're accountable. We should be setting a good example. Um, but I think it goes a long way to recognize that we're not superior in any way um, and that we're all on the same team. We just happen to be the person who's been selected to be the leader. And that's a privilege, and that's something we ought to take very seriously. And... Um, it helps when we show that vulnerability and that kindness and when we're willing to say, you know, I don't know, I need help with that. Let's work on that together. I think that goes a long way with the people you're serving. So, Mike, I think we've talked about five myths today, and I hope it's been helpful, especially for our listeners who are school leaders to maybe alleviate themselves from some of the pressure that you talked about that we can sometimes self-impose. Um But I also hope they recognize that leading is really about being a hope builder, being uh, true to who you are and to the organization and just giving your all and working together. we are very excited again that Leadership with Latoya now has its own Twitter page. It's at with Latoya. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter, and we hope you'll give us a follow. We're continuing the Leadership with LaToya Challenge. We're asking school leaders to get in those classrooms and provide high-quality feedback that is targeted, specific, connected to student learning, and causes a change or affirmation in in teacher instructional practice. Uh, We'll be right back after the break with our new segment called Leaders on the Grow. Hey, y'all, welcome to our segment called On the Grow, because Leadership with LaToya is for Leaders on the Grow. And today we're talking about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is that leaders are readers. Mike, um, you know, I have probably six books on my nightstand right now. 
um, that I'm reading. And this week I've been reading scholarly articles on two things, uh, instructional equity, which is a really big interest of mine, and high reliability schools. I've uh, been reading lots of Marzano's research. What are you reading here lately? Well, Latoya, before I get to that, I have to express my disappointment. What are you disappointed in? Well, when we were talking about this segment, I thought we were going to talk about the importance of eating chicken wings. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, um, that you got me really excited because you said this. Is, you said before you said about reading, you said this is something near and dear to both of our hearts, and I was like, yeah, she's going to talk about chicken wings, but then she did. Well, you know what? It, that is near and dear to both of our hearts. We've eaten a lot of wings together, and we love them. But I want you to help me talk to our listeners about the importance of reading. So I had the, um, the fortunate opportunity this week to work with a couple of different principals on instructional leadership. And um, when I do that, I find myself going back to really like two books. Uh, that are not new. Um, listeners, you have probably heard of this. You may have read them, but I use them a lot as building principles, um, and I still recommend them whenever I get a chance. So the first one is Leverage Leadership, um, and then Teach Like a Champion 1 and 2. And the reason why I really like Teach Like a Champion is the book comes with DVDs that shows teachers exactly what it looks like in the classroom. We have great teachers give exemplars to students, and this is the way that you can give exemplars to teachers, so I would often find students that look for professional development or in conferences with teachers um, to show them exactly what strategy the book was talking about. I love those books too, Mike, and you know, you bring up an excellent point. You know, we talk about modeling and how important modeling is for our students and providing them with models. We need to do the same thing as leaders, so when we're conducting a meeting or conducting professional development, always try to demonstrate those practices that I would want to see in the classroom. There's a lot we can teach and and share with teachers by doing that. And you know, I love both of those books that you mentioned, Teach Like a Champion, Leverage Leadership. But Mike, you know, one of our favorites, and I don't know that you've mentioned it this time, but we talk about this book all the time. What about Focus by Mike Smoker? I love that book. Uh, Yes, certainly. I agree 100%. And um, that has really developed my philosophy in teaching and learning. If you have not read that, it's been out for a while now. I think they might even have like the Focus 2.0. Um, but check it out. It's a very quick and easy read. And just as the name implies, it's all about focus and clarity and really doing the basics well. Um, sometimes we like to jump to set three and four before we do one and two really well. Um, and that book, um, if I ever have the fortunate opportunity to read a district, I think that is certainly going to play into our uh, you know, mission and vision building at the district. Well, speaking of leading a district, I think one of the things that heavily influenced our reading of books, Mike, is our work with Dr. Lynn Moody. If you'll remember, you know, we worked for her in both South Carolina and North Carolina. She always had a book. I can think of several books we read. Applebee's America, The Medici Effect, Turn the Ship Around. She always had a book in front of us to inform our, our leadership. And I think it was critical because those books really helped me develop my knowledge, my skill set, and gave me a foundation and platform upon which to go back and apply my learning and try to practice things that I then read about or either help me recognize things that I'd observed or seen uh, but couldn't quite put a name to. And what we know from research is when we can name a practice, when we can name it, when we see it, and when we can describe it, 
then we're more likely to be able to apply it and to demonstrate it um, and to articulate it to others. So I just want to say I think Dr. Moody is an excellent example of a leader who really inspires those who she works with to read and be informed. Would you agree? Oh, you know I agree with that. Shout out to Dr. Moody. Yeah, so leaders are readers. So folks, if you're not reading, we want to encourage you, find a book, Start reading, inform your scholarship so that you can then thereby become a more impactful and effective and knowledgeable leader. Until next time, folks, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.